Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cody's Car Conundrum. I'm your host, Cody Wagner. No duh, right? Here we discuss everything from car news, culture, movies, stories, games, interviews, events, and so much more. Without further delay, on with the show. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another new car special after a small hiatus. I have some, I may have some news. I may have some news, but gotta wait on that. So for now, just another new car special. And this Sunday, hopefully another, what, however however many hours long, uh, sixth anniversary special, I think it is? Yeah, sixth, sixth anniversary special. Hopefully this Sunday, I gotta write up uh, what I wanna talk about and try to make it about as long as the last special I did. Because if you recall in that, what was it, two-hour podcast episode? I said I wanted to do these like once every quarter, or do those once every quarter and make them a few hours long. And technically, I'm about a month early, but considering I didn't do it at the right time, it doesn't matter. And besides, six-year anniversary special. So, oh well. In any case, we are talking about the 2023 Maserati Gressal today. Yep, it has finally come out. The Another another car that was actually supposed to be, uh, that was supposed to be an Alfa Romeo that is now a Maserati, so... Kind of annoying from that perspective, but also kind of interesting to see. Interesting and kind of happy to see Maserati get some new product. Though not so happy to see it come at the cost of Alfa Romeo getting some new product. But, you know, can't keep harping on that forever. So let's just get into it. The 2023 Maserati Grisol. Actually, before before I do that, I just wanted to say that every time I see Grisol, my mind for one second just says Maserati Grayscale. I just, I speed read it and just think Grayscale and it's, it's not that. Anyway, the 2023 Maserati Grisal joins the fold as the Italian brand's second-ever SUV, offering multiple powertrain options when it goes on sale later this year. The 2023 Grisal will be available with both, with both ICE and hybrid options, while an all-electric full-gore version will join the range later on. The Grisal, the Grisal takes aim at the likes of the Porsche Macan, Jaguar F-Pace, and BMW X3, sitting below the larger Levante in, a, in the Italian Marks lineup. It measures 4,859mm or 191 inches long, 1,979mm or 78 inches wide, and 1,659mm or 65 inches tall, and has a wheelbase of 2,901mm or 114 inches. The, the Grisol features Maserati's VDCM, or Vehicle Dynamic Control Module, in, in evolution from the MC20, actually. That fast? It's already evolved from that? Or Wow. Okay. The system predictively controls the vehicle's dynamics, vertical, longitudinal, longitudinal, and lateral, working in conjunction with the selectable drive modes to offer a more tailored driving experience. An 8-speed automatic gearbox from ZF and all-wheel drive are standard across the range, too. The, 2023, the new 2023 Grisol will be available by the end of 2022 in four trim variants, the GT, Modena, and Trofeo, plus a limited Prima Serie launch edition, weird name, the GT and Modena both feature a turbocharged 2-liter 4-cylinder mild hybrid powertrain in both in two different states of tune. The more powerful Modena offers 325 horsepower, 330 PS. That's pretty good. 30 extra horsepower to the GT's 296 horsepower, or 300 PS. Both produce the same peak torque figure of 405 newton meters, or 332 pound-feet of torque, from 2,000 to 5,000 RPM. The 2-liter 4-cylinder engine in the hybrid Grisol features both a classic turbocharger and an electric compressor, as well as a belt starter generator and a 48-volt battery. According to Maserati, the 296-horsepower 2-liter GT hits 100 miles per hour or 62 miles per hour in 5.6 seconds, and 200 kilometers per hour or 124 miles per hour in 23.7 seconds. The 0 to 60 is not bad, and I guess the 0 to 124 is not that bad either, but eh, I'm, not, I'm not that impressed with the 124, but... 
0 to 60 in 5.6 seconds. That's about as fast as a 2011 Dodge Charger 5.7 RT was at the time, which I think was 5.4 seconds from Motor Trend. So that's pretty, that's, that is extremely fast, especially for only a two liter turbocharged engine. But you know, that's that mild hybrid working for you. While the, two, while the 325 horsepower Modena, however, does the same in a slightly quicker uh, 5.3 seconds and 21.9 seconds respectively. So 0 to 60 in 5.3 seconds and 0 to 124 in 21.9 seconds with that uh, additional horsepower. Maserati says both models are capable of hitting a top speed of, a, of 240 miles per hour or 149 miles per hour. As for fuel economy on the combined European cycle, it's between 8.7 and 9.3 liters per 100 kilowatts or 25.3 to 27.0 mpg us so the top speed i'm not that impressed by i was kind of hoping like at least 155 149 is kind of on the almost like the slow end of the spectrum for performance cars but oh well the trofeo though will be the top tier performance oriented grisol variant with 0 to 60 or 0 or 0 to 62 miles per hour or 0 to 100 kilometers per hour dispatched in 3.8 seconds or i believe as fast as a gen 3 viper 124 miles per hour in 13.8 seconds, and a top speed of 177 miles per hour. About 2 miles per hour faster, I think, than a 2012 Dodge Charger SRT8. So, this thing's genuinely fast. Uh, or a top speed of 285 kilometers per hour. The engine, a twin-turbo 3-liter V6, with 523 horsepower, or 530 PS, and 620 newton meters, or 457 pound-feet of peak torque, between 3,000 and 5,500 RPM, is said to be heavily inspired by Formula 1, and is a development of the Natuno engine found in the MC20. Maserati says it returns a combined fuel consumption of 11.2 liters per 100 kilometers, or 21 mpg US. The power is getting with the program, yeah! Love like in the Trofeo variant so far. The key differences include a wet sump, as opposed to the MC20's dry sump, and cylinder deactivation, allowing the right bank of the V6 to be shut down completely. It retains the Maserati twin combustion MTC technology that made its debut on the Natuno. Both the Magna and Trofeo get a 34mm wider rear track, while the latter gets more aggressive bodywork with the grille shifted, shifted forward, shifted forward? And a split exhaust system. Stopping the Trofeo is a set of six-piston Brembo calipers up front with four-piston units at the rear. A separate Corsa drive mode is available with the Trofeo, sharing, sharing up the throttle response, no, sharpening up the throttle response and the transmission shift speeds. The traction control has also been tuned to allow more slip in addition to launch control. Air suspension is standard on the top-spec Trofeo and optional on the rest of the model range. The air-sprung versions come with adjustable height with six preset modes, including a 30mm lift in off-road mode and a 30mm drop in parking mode to aid entry and exit. Although it would be easy to write off the design of the Grisol as a Levante left in the dryer for longer than it should have, the overarching theme of the brand is applied throughout, making it instantly identifiable from the front end. The main feature is the grille, with, Ma with Maserati claiming that they sought to make it imposing, without being excessive. Are you listening, BMW? However, viewed in profile, the new Italian SUV becomes somewhat less distinctive. The soft lines become less distinctive, but things are redeemed by the traditional Maserati gills and the trident on the C-pillar. Moving to the rear, the Grisol features slimmer boomerang taillights inspired by the uh, Gugario 3200 GT, or is it Gugario? Hmm. I probably just butchered the hell out of that entirely, and I'm really sorry if I did. The sloping rear window is described is described as giving a coupe effect, not really, 
to the cabin. But in reality, the result is clean and measured without crossing the streams of different, of different body styles as, as evidenced by some rivals. The cabin of the Grisol looks to be a key area of progress for Maserati. Prior models, including the Levante, have fallen short when it comes to interior design, with the traditional layout looking more old hat in the face of rival offerings from Audi and Mercedes. The Levante, on the other hand, hold up, no, what they really mean, they meant the Grisol, that's a, that's a typo there. The Grisol, on the other hand, adopts a dual-center split-screen, similar in concept to what was pioneered with the Range Rover Velar. The upper, the upper central screen is a 12.3-inch panel, complemented by an 8.8-inch unit below it, referred to as the comfort panel. The downside is that the new design sacrifices many physical buttons, prompting the driver to engage with touchscreen inputs for essential functions. Maserati claims there are four screens inside, but aside from the two central screens and the gauge cluster, you might be left wondering where, the, where number four is. That is until you realize one of those is counted as the digital clock also known as the digital smartwatch, which, which sits atop the dash. You know how Porsche has a very similar thing with that stopwatch in the middle? Yeah, pretty much the same thing. It's a first for Maserati and can be used as a compass or a G-force meter. I kind of like that. That's that's kind of cool. The Grisol comes with two new Sonus Faber... Hmm, Faber, I think. Sonus Faber sound systems. The highest-end option consisting of 21 speakers and 3D sound with an output of up to 1,200 watts. There's wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto, Run, running via Maserati's Intelligent Assistant Multimedia System. MIA itself is based around Android Auto and is said to offer a user experience similar to using that of a tablet. An all-electric Grisol Fulgore, Lightning in Italian, is being readied for production late, uh, next year. The first all-electric Maserati will feature 400-volt tech, which gives the car a handicap to competitors that have been confirmed to use faster-charging 800-volt architecture such as the next Macan. Unlike other models from Stellantis, the Grisol will not ride on a dedicated Stella or SLTA EV platform and instead uses modified ICE-based underpinnings. Although specific outputs haven't been revealed just yet, the Bev Grisol will be fitted with a 105 kWh battery and will offer as much as 800 Nm or 590 pound-feet of torque. The Grisol Fulgore will also feature a unique color palette for the rest of the lineup cre created based on the Northern Lights. I like that. The Grisol GT, Moderna, and Trofeo will be offered as a model, 20, model year 2022, 2022 model year vehicle in Europe with US delivery dates and pricing expected to be announced shortly. So what do you think of the new Grisol? Has Maserati knocked it out of the park or will it struggle up against the competition? Let us know your thoughts in the comments below, says Car Scoops. Now, before I look at the, is that the Fulgore or is it? No, yeah, that's the Fulgore. So before I look at that, let's look at the normal car. Because, as always, with the hard stats out of the way, let's get into the subjectives. And a friend of mine on Instagram, and I think a few people around the internet have been saying that the face of the new of the new Maserati Result looks like the current Ford Puma. And they're absolutely right. The headlights, the grill shape, or the upper grill shape where the Maserati Trident is, yeah, it is extremely similar to the Ford Puma. It might as well, if, if I'm honest with you guys, if you go from the front to the front, if you go from the front of the car to the driver and passenger doors, so basically from the front of the car to the B pillar, it pretty much looks like a Ford Puma, and then from the B pillar back, it looks like a shrunk Maserati Levante. I'm not sure how I feel about the face, mostly because, like, if it had been on its own, I'd probably be okay with it. But because the Ford Puma exists and existed before the Grisol, 
I don't like it nearly as much. I can't. I all I see is Puma in that face, and that really brings the Maserati kind of down market. It brings the Maserati down market, and we're still with this thing being sold in Europe. I can't imagine there aren't going to be a handful of customers that won't just say, "Okay, I like the way the Grisol looks." Well, why would I try to save up for the Grisol, a lower end model or otherwise, when I could just get the Puma, which almost looks exactly the same? And obviously, the car enthusiast argument would be, well, the Ford Puma is not a Maserati Grisol, for better or worse. That may be true. Consumers won't care. If they can get the looks of the Grisol for far less money, well, guess what? They'll probably end up going with that. So that's, you know, that's a little worrying for the Maserati, I would think. Hopefully, we'll get a facelift, I don't know, in about three or four, ideally three years, that'll distinguish the Grisol a little bit more from the Puma. But on its own, I don't hate the way it looks. It's, I think the Puma... I think the Puma looks better personally, just because the Puma, a Puma style face on a Maserati to me just doesn't work. It's too, it's too cutesy. It's too almost like it's trying to be Pikachu. And not that cutesy cars are necessarily a bad thing. No, they can work, but Maserati's not cutesy. Cutesy cars are fine, except for the fact that Maserati hasn't really made a cutesy car. That's just not, that's not their image. And so for the Grisol to have a kind of cutesy face is, Again, it doesn't really work for me. It also doesn't help that the, the press image I'm looking at is of a yellow Grisol. So the, the Pikachu vibes are strong with this one. So the face, I would give a 6.8 out of 10, I think. It does look good. It just, it looks like a Puma and that's going to bring it down market. And if people are going to be, I doubt it, but if there's going to be anyone cross-shopping a Puma versus a, a Puma versus a Grisol, and doesn't really care about the luxury of the Grisol, guess what? They're going to go right for the Puma, and that's going to be a big problem, or could be a big problem for Maserati. If we go to the back, pretty standard Maserati. We've got curved, almost like hockey stick taillights. So you have the long, you have the long straight part, and then a curve at the end. The curve is at the outside, outside edges of the car, so way past the tailgate. Not bad. They're not, they're not that aggressive. They're really, really not, but there are, very unaggressive boomerang, not boomerang, uh, hockey stick-like taillights. So lighting signature is very smooth, not very aggressive. I kind of like it, but once again, it's not very creative. It's almost just a horizontal bar, except for the fact that it's not all horizontal and it doesn't connect in the middle. So it's a little different. I mean, actually, scratch the part about it not connecting in the middle because most a lot of SUVs slash, slash crossovers aren't doing that. But yeah, once again... Just so, so similar to, to what a lot of other automakers are doing these days. And it's really, it's going to be depressing seeing a lot of these things on the road at night and just seeing horizontal bar after horizontal bar after horizontal bar. Like, could we stop with this already? As that aside, though, uh, let me see. I like the less aggressive rake of the rear window when compared to things like the new Alfa Romeo Tonal, for example, and a lot of other crossovers. It's... I would argue it's still a little bit too much. I'd rather it just look a little bit more like an SUV rather than just a really big hatch. But it does look more like an SUV slash crossover when compared to other vehicles of its type around. So not bad. Could be worse. It's, it's raked enough to be attractive, but not so raked that it just looks stupid, right? It just looks wholly impractical, right? It doesn't look wholly impractical because the... The slope of the rear window is not that bad. So, you know what? Good job, Maserati, for keeping it fairly restrained in this area. I'll tell you what, though. I'm really liking the... I think I'm looking at the Trofeo model here for the back. And I'll tell you what, I'm liking it a lot. Yeah, this is the Trofeo. Very, very aggressive. 
The tail, the exhaust tips are kind of weird. They're this rhombus. They're this quad rhombus shape. They look like, not that they wouldn't be utilized, but almost, almost I don't know, almost overkill. On an SUV, I'd rather circular tips, perhaps like on older Maseratis, and then on something like a Gran Turismo, I'd like tips like, I'd like tips of this design. To put it into perspective, you know the C8 Corvette Stingrays quad exhaust tips and how they're that square rhombus shape? That but blacked out on the Trofeo. Again, would look good on a on a Gran Turismo, on the new Gran Turismo perhaps, but on the Grisol, I would have preferred circular tips. I think that would have been a little bit more traditional. And here, traditional would have been better, in my opinion. And so overall, rear end, rear end I'm going to give, I don't know, 6.9. Pretty attractive. Some things are very samey in relation to what the rest of the industry is doing. <clears throat> the taillights. But it's very attractive. I don't think it's a standout. Again, I'll have to see it in the flesh before I make a final assessment. But it doesn't seem to stand out that much, even in Trofeo trim. Because the only thing that really makes it stand out here in Trofeo trim is the lower is the lower fascia. And that's pretty much it. So I'm not sure. I kind of fear what a normal Grisol would look like. Because I haven't seen a photo of that yet. Going back to the profile, I'm going to give it uh, 6.8. It looks like a big hatchback. Which... I prefer it just look like a crossover, which means a small, you know, a smaller SUV, a less, a less rugged SUV, you know, something more of a lifestyle vehicle rather than something that can tow boats and ATVs. But again, it's not a wholly ugly profile. It's not weird at the at the far end, at the far edge of the rear, <coughs> the tonal. So it mixes the tonal and the new Blazer or the current Chevrolet Blazer quite nicely. So it's not as Upright as a blazer, but it's not as steep. It's not as steeply raked, the rear window, as the tonal. So, good mix. Looks looks pretty sporty, honestly. So, I think Maserati did a... In my opinion, they seem to have done a pretty good job here with the silhouette. You have the tri-gills on the upper fender, on the upper front fender, as as is the case with a lot of Maseratis. Still like that touch even here. Good ex good execution. So, I even like the side profile of the face a little bit. That's not It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Let me see if I can find... A normal Grisol. I might have to go to the Fulgore. Because thankfully we actually do have press images of that. But I may have to go to the Fulgore to find... Okay. Here we go. And then there's a the normal face. Or here's a normal Grisol. With the non-Trofeo face. I like the Trofeo face. But I even like the non-Trofeo the non -trofeo front fascia as well. Pretty attractive looking. But it does look... Ooh, what's the recent? I think it's the new Quattroporte where it's got that kind of frowny face. It's almost got the, you know how you know how cats just below their nose have those, like the front cheeks. It's it's hard to explain, but they've got that. They got those big. Again, it's re, it's hard for me to explain, but they basically, for lack of a better word, they got those big cheeks just below their nose. It's got a very similar appearance to Grisol, and I think the face of the Gran Turismo once again had a. Similar appearance there, and I think the new Levante as well. So I suppose all of that is to say, the corporate face of Maserati has, to some extent, been applied here as well. At the very least, the, the sort of prior corporate face has been applied here to the Grisol, and it actually looks good. Don't mind it. Don't mind it at all. I think I, once again, I think I like the Trofeo face a little bit more, but here, once again, I give it a 6.8, 6.9. Very attractive looking, very attractive looking crossover. If we go, let me see once again, because I found, the, so I found the face of a normal Grisol, but I, what I did not find. Okay, here is the rear, and yeah, not much to write home about. Uh, 
again, 6.7, 6.8. It is attractive looking. It's good looking, just not wholly interesting, I would say. Not extremely interesting. But you could argue that that's better than some of the other designs where we've seen where they're not interesting. I say not interesting where they're they're interesting, but in a bad way because of how ugly they are, right? Or how poorly executed they are. So perhaps this is the better compromise. Perhaps this is the better compromise. Let's see, we have a GT Trofeo, or uh, Grisol, a Moderna. We're going to get to the interior eventually, but I want to keep going. All the icons on car scoops just died eventually here. Okay, we have the GT. What I I think my favorite thing about the Grisol, the favorite, my favorite thing about it so far is the really artistic badges they have just above the tri-gills that they've got on the fender. You know how with the Pagani Wyra, they say it takes, well, I think 50 to 100 hours to mill the badge out of a solid piece of aluminum? The badging, the GT Moderna, the trim badging on the Grisol looks, looks like they did a similar process, but far less intensive. Far, far less intensive. So that, so that is to say it still looks very luxurious without it being as expensive looking, but it does look extremely stylized, gorgeous. I love it. I really, really do. It's a very cool looking, very luxurious, upscale looking badge, which is all the things a Maserati, all the things a Maserati badging should be, all the things Maserati badging should have. And actually, I've seen the Grisol, I've just seen the Grisol in GT trim with quad circular tail tailpipes, and yep, definitely better. <laughs> definitely better. Now, I'm actually liking this a little bit more than I thought I would. Pretty attractive looking crossover. If we go to the interior, if I can get to the interior here, and there's a few shots, but I think this one's the Moderna. So in Trofeo, because I've seen the Trofeo even before I recorded, I saw it earlier today as of the, because today was when the Grisol was revealed. I didn't really like the Trofeo's interior because it was just black with some orange stitching. It wasn't, there wasn't enough contrast for me. It was too dark, too gloomy. Didn't look very luxurious in that spec. Now, in this Moderna spec, where there's this two-tone black and white affair, this looks pretty luxurious. I'm not sure if it's as luxurious as a Maserati should be, but it's definitely improvement from things like the Gibble, and I think even the Levante, it's, or Levante, sorry. Or Levante, Levante? Probably could say it either way. But yeah, this is definitely an improvement. This is getting with the program. This is what Maserati should, this is how a Maserati interior should look going forward. The only thing I really dislike and this is something that was mentioned in the article, is that there's very few physical buttons for the central infotainment. I don't like that. I, I really don't like that. I haven't had to experience, I've yet to experience, not that I won't, but I've yet to experience what it's like having to go into the touchscreen just to change. Uh, there was a car I read recently where I have to go into, I don't know if I did a podcast episode on it. I don't think I did. I think it was a Riv it was a Rivian R1T. I was reading up on that, and you have to go into the you have to go into the central touchscreen of that truck, electric truck, just to change the the angle of the air vents. That is so stupid. It's I've got a whole rant for that, and maybe I'll I'll make an op-ed on maybe I'll make an op-ed article on my website diving into that whole that whole irritation of mine, but to put things concisely. Why, why in the hell are we, are we trying to forego all forms of physical touch? Digital is not the end-all be-all. Virtual is not the end-all be-all. It's very nice. It is extremely useful. But there is absolutely still in the modern day, there is still a place, even in the modern day, for the real world, for physical touch, for physical buttons. 
And I know that that can make interior design a little bit tricky, trying to figure out the buttons and the logic of where they go and all that stuff. But at this point, I would expect some automakers to have that down to a science, really. So it shouldn't be that that big of a deal. So that's, but once again, that is my biggest problem with this interior is that the central touchscreen does not have very many physical buttons at all. Like I'm not seeing a volume button. I'm not seeing a seek button for the radio. Honestly, I'm really not seeing much of anything. It's just screen and screen. Not a big fan. Really not a big fan of that. I do like the steering wheel. I like this new Maserati steering wheel. Once again, a fairly small airbag cover. You guys know that is that is the probably the area of cars I'm the, not the most nitpicky about, but the most needless aspect of a car that I'm very particular about is my airbag covers, and I like the way they've done it here with, here with their in, with uh, their steering wheel. They've got two circular buttons. I think they have like a mode selection on the right right hand side below the on the right hand side of the steering wheel below the spoke and then on the left side engine stop start button kind of like that kind of upscale but also sporty at the same time I mean, maserati to me should be luxurious and sporty kind of like bentley but italian so i like i really like that it works for me and again i like the i like the steering wheel as a whole as far as the rest in the interior very very attractive i like this what they've done with the air vents they haven't separated it they've allowed this singular uh, silver, I don't know if it's proper aluminum or not, but they've allowed this silver trim piece to go the width, to kind of go the width of the dash and connect the passenger side, the far passenger side air vent with the central air vents in the central of the dash that sit below that digital clock face, by the way. I like it a lot. Really, really like it a lot. Kind of adds some cohesion, some connection. It doesn't break things apart. It actually brings it all together. Very, very attractive. I think Maz uh, Mazda? No, I don't think Mazda's been doing a similar thing. I can't remember who. I think Lincoln. Lincoln's been doing a similar thing too. So to see this pop up on Maserati is quite nice. And what they've done is they've added they've added some actual dimension to it. So some some levels of that silver that silver trim piece are are I don't want to say dipped in, but they're kind of inset to the dash. So there's some there's some for lack of a better word ramps. So like on the passenger side, you have the air vent, you have that silver trim piece, and then it sinks in, it forms into the dash a little bit because the dash kind of peels away. So it follows, the silver trim piece follows the contours of the dash, and there are actual contours, so it's not just this flat, almost like grill piece. It's not this flat grim, uh, grill piece. Not that I mind that either because I like it too, but this adds some extra forms to the interior. It just makes it that, that, much, that more attractive still. Looking at another... Interior shot here, completely digital gauge cluster, a little bit sad, takes a little bit of the artistry out of it, I think, but you know, it is what it is. This is the Trofeo model, and I I like all the carbon fiber touches. I like all the luxurious high-end touches that I'm seeing. I just don't like the gloominess, the, the darkness of the interior. It's just not that interesting to me. The contrast stitching helps a little bit, but it's it's not as special an interior as I think it should be. It's not as, for a Trofeo model, for the most, for the highest performance version of the Grisol, right? Probably the best driving version as well. And I think the Trofeo nameplate, that kind of means something special within Maserati. Like that's a cool nameplate. And the car, and that that includes the interior, should, should exemplify that specialness. And the interior just doesn't for me. It's, it's just a boring black, boring black interior it's not as special what was it actually i just remembered i thought i think it was the bmw it was i think it was the 
Was it the M4? Was it a new M4 variant? Or was it an M5? Was it the M5? What was the go faster version of the M5 that came out? Oh, yeah, the M5 CS. After the competition. I think I had said all the way back, all the way back when, when that came out. All the way back when that came out. I think I had said that, that the interior of that car was not quite as special. It was that or the competition. I, I'm pretty sure it was the CS though. I was saying that that interior was not quite as special. I was, it was definitely one of the BMW M models for sure. I, in any case though, I'm cutting myself off too much. One of those interiors was not as special as I thought it should be, especially for such a historic nameplate. And Trofeo is new to Maserati to a certain extent, but this go faster version of a Maserati, that's not new. What was it with the Top Gear era Maserati Quattroporte, that 2010 Quattroporte. I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name of that trim level. But yeah, so Maserati doing, you know, very go-fast versions is nothing new. But to me, there's an allure with a Trofeo model. There's, there is a specialness like BMW's M models. There is a specialness within that, within that nameplate, within that trim level, that should be not, not only exemplified, but amplified throughout the car it, especially the interior and I'm not quite I'm not I'm just not seeing it here the contrast stitching is nice all the even better carbon fiber touches are nice here but it's not it's not enough I want to see I don't know yellow seeds some yellow embroidered yellow embroidered trident logo something it's too restrained for me it doesn't have enough Italian flair as cliche as that is Overall, though, I'm going to give the interior a 7.3. I really like it. Very attractive. The materials seem to be better. The design is better. The only thing I really dislike is the lack of physical buttons on the central infotainment. So overall, I'm going to give the Rusol a 7.3, I think. Really attractive looking vehicle. A lot. I like it a lot more than I was expecting to. And I'm hoping that it drives as well, if not better than it looks. Because it could be the hit for Maserati that they need. The only perhaps concern... Maserati should have at this moment is what Porsche is going to do with the next Macan, uh, especially the EV. Maserati might be playing catch up. They might be playing catch up right on arrival, and that's going to be, uh, or immediately after arrival, and that's not a brilliant place to be. But for the moment, looks good. Also, I forgot about the, actually, I forgot to talk about the Fulgore for a second. The Fulgore, I'm going to give exterior, as far as its exterior looks, I'm going to give it a 6.8. For the face, mostly because the grill is a little bit more filled in with some with some more plastic touches. It, it just looks really low rent as far as the Grisol is concerned. Though, in fairness to the Grisol, the matte paint job that they put on it for the press car in these press photos is not doing it any favors for me personally. I'm not the mass. I'm not a massive fan of. I'm not a massive fan of matte paint jobs generally. I also don't really like these. I think they're technically they're technically six spoke wheels, but they have thin inner thin inner tri spokes and thick outer tri spokes, and I I just don't like it. I don't like the wheels at all. But yeah, the grill on the new Grisol on the Grisol Fulgors, it's got this weird. They filled in most of it to to, to reduce airflow, I suppose, and then they, they added these little slits in the middle. It have you ever seen one of those spy cars testing in the winter or or no no no. One of those winter options for trucks, like up in Michigan and Canada, where they fill in the grill and they have those little, and they have those few little slits on like Ram 3500s and whatnot. So you can still see the crosshair, but it's kind of covered to reduce the airflow so the engine doesn't get too cool. It's like Maserati added a winter package from the factory for the Grisol to reduce airflow, and I don't really like it. It's, yeah, kind of ugly looking to me. I don't, I don't really like that grill. But they didn't change the 
actual grill shape. They just changed the grill insert. Having said that, I still don't like the grill insert. It's not, I don't like it. It's pretty, to me, it's pretty ugly. It just, <clears throat> it looks like a winter pack on a Grisol, and that's not very attractive. But overall, I'm still going to give it a 7.3 because the rest of the, the rest of the Grisol still looks good. I like it more than I was expecting to. The interior is well designed. Yeah, very well done by Maserati. Hopefully it sells in the numbers they need it to. In any case, though, I hope you all enjoyed. If you did, please make sure to like, comment. Please make sure to like the episode, share the episode, and follow the podcast if you're watching on YouTube. Like, comment, share, and consider subscribing. And if you do subscribe, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Please make sure you hit the little notification bell. And then all notifications that way you're notified every time I upload. If you want to listen to this podcast on the road, but you don't have or want the Podbean mobile app, hey, not a problem. Boot up wherever you get your podcast. Type in Cody's Car Conundrum. And then choose the episode you want to listen to. I will see you all next time. You've just listened to me probably ramble about some cars, if I'm being honest. If you've enjoyed me passionately talking about lumps of metal on wheels, then why don't you follow me on Twitter at Cody Carr, C-O-N-U-N-D-R-M, or check out my website, www.codyscarconundrum.com, for articles and other car-related content. If you have any questions or would like to become a sponsor, send an email to drtaffy777 at gmail.com and put sponsor in the subject line. Make sure to follow me here or any other platform so you don't miss out on more full-throttle content. Thanks for listening. I'll see you all in the next episode.